Well, hello, and we welcome you to the World Travel Dad Show, where we help you travel intelligently with your family. With trip planning, money-saving tips, and funny stories, we are a resource for your next travel chapter. We are excited to have you here, and we hope our adventure helps you with yours. Tips, jokes, stories, and overall fun for your ears to enjoy. Now here's our host, World Travel Dad. Welcome in. You found the World Travel Dad Show. On this week's episode, we are still talking about the lovely city of Hoi An, Vietnam. This will be our final episode from this terrific city. It's a great city for so many reasons. We are going to go through those. We are doing the do's and don'ts of Hoi An. After this stop, we will be heading north to Dong Hoi and Pha Nang, uh, northern Vietnam before finalizing the Vietnam portion of our trip in the great historic city of Hanoi. But this city of Hoi An deserves more attention, and so we're doing our second episode, our final one, from this destination. We'll have the do's and don'ts, and of course we'll start off with my favorite segment of the show, your least favorite segment, the headlines. Headlines this week will start off in the world of sports. I'm going to try to keep it somewhat short on headlines this week. I've been getting way too political, and the listeners are letting me know that I should stay in my lane. But I just I can't help myself. I really like to weigh in on these cultural issues, and for better or for worse, I think I have some answers. You may disagree. Let's start in the world of sports. The NFL this week will be having the Super Bowl. Uh, it feels like everybody in the United States watches this thing, virtually everybody. And as the NFL has gained popularity <clears throat> throughout the world, more and more people are watching. But it hasn't risen to the level of popularity of the World Cup. And I did an episode on that exciting game this year. So here's what I wanted to talk about with the NFL. First of all, uh, I'm a longtime Philadelphia Eagle fan. That's where my dad is from. And outside of the Denver Broncos, which is my home team, I sort of root for the Eagles, and they really hadn't given us anything to root for until they won the Super Bowl with Doug Peterson as a head coach a few years ago, which is very exciting with a backup quarterback, Nick Foles, I might add. Plus, they beat the New England Patriots, and everybody hates the Patriots. Bunch of cheaters. And everyone also hates the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, how could you not hate them? They're so frustrating, and the fact that they got Patrick Mahomes, and uh, we could have had him in Denver, it just continues to frustrate me to no end. He's a phenomenal player, so I'll give credit where credit is due. Andy Reid is a phenomenal coach. But here's my take on this game. The first thing that I saw when I woke up after the uh, AFC and NFC Championship games was the New York Times 
of course, runs a front page story about the fact that there are two African-American quarterbacks now facing off in the Super Bowl. First time that's ever happened. And so I wanted to take a look at kind of the history of this. And my thoughts are, you know, when are we going to stop talking about this? Why, why does the New York Times have to make everything about race? I personally, I'm proud to say that the race of the quarterbacks never crossed my mind. In fact, for the entire NFL season, um, I just didn't think about it. I don't think about Jalen Hurts as a black quarterback. Um, I mean, it goes back to the days of, uh, you know, when, when Warren Moon was having to play in the Canadian Football League. And he was a phenomenal quarterback. And he wasn't, he wasn't given the chance because a bunch of idiot white executives thought that black people could not be smart enough to be NFL quarterbacks. I mean, the idea that we even had executive fat faces like that, that thought that, I mean, it's appalling, but that's not what's going on today. That has changed. Fortunately, um, I think the NFL has gotten smarter. I think that narrative that uh, a black kid can't understand an NFL playbook is complete garbage. And today's NFL is about coaching. It's about fit. It's about systems. And I don't think of Jalen Hurts as a black quarterback, but to, to the New York Times, everything's about race. I mean, everything. You can reduce every little thing to race these days. And it's... Uh, I don't think it's healthy right now for our country to be to reduce every single issue to race. I think it's just polarizing people. I think I tend to trust um, leaders in the African American community, the Black community, who are trying to move past the victimization card and past the race card. Uh, people like Thomas Sowell, like Shelby Steele. There's an economist a couple years ago who passed away named Walter Williams who had some great conservative takes. And these are um, African-Americans who started out as um, civil rights leaders playing the victim card that came to realize that it just wasn't working. And the epitome of stupidity is doing things over and over again that aren't working. And you can argue that um, maybe we haven't done enough and that's probably true. And, uh, but you have to acknowledge if you're being intellectually honest, that we've come a long way in our society. And the fact that that's the first thing that the New York times decides to jump to, I mean, that's just, that's taken us backward. That's just trying to get clicks, trying to reduce things to race. And I just found that really disgusting. And I actually patted myself on the back that I wasn't even thinking about that. And I guess people on the left would say, well, that's part of the problem. You know, I'm not thinking about it. But here's the other thing. Patrick Mahomes is not black. He's he's half black. His mom is white. Uh, you might remember if you're a baseball fan, his dad was a journeyman relief pitcher named Pat Mahomes. I think I recognize him in the 80s in like a Mets uniform or something. And uh, 
Pat Mahomes um, is black, um, and uh, Patrick Mahomes's mom is white. So I guess I don't know that the headline. Uh, I, I don't know that the storyline is entirely accurate from the New York Times. I mean, I, to me, it seems like race should not be what we're focusing on here. Um, I think. Um, I don't know. I, but I would say that we, as a country, should continue to discuss the issue of slavery. There's no reason to try to forget slavery, uh, to try to sweep anything under the rug. That's not what I'm suggesting. I think there should be an ongoing dialogue, but I think there's a healthy way to do it. And I think constantly focusing on the race of our sports stars I don't think that's the right way to do it. I've struggled a long time about this issue too, because when I went in, went to law school, I was a I was a um, an ardent proponent of affirmative action, and that was over 20 years ago, and now we have we have 40 years at least of affirmative action, and I can't say that it has worked. I mean. Um, that was my sincere hope. That was what I used to argue, that we had to do it. It was the way out. And I just don't think it's worked. So again, we have to be practical about this. And we have to attempt to move on in a constructive fashion. And outlets like the New York Times appear to not want to do that. They appear to um, try to be sowing more racial divide and, you know, when, when are we going to stop? You know, first of all, as I said, I, I'm not sure that these are two black quarterbacks facing off. But more importantly, I don't think it matters anymore. I really don't. I think this is not a racial issue. And, I, I again, I patted myself on the back because it hadn't even occurred to me. Didn't even think about it all season. You guys might think that that's part of the problem, that I'm ignorant you know, whatever. But we should still be talking about slavery. I don't think our country needs to get over slavery. I think we need to have a, a dialogue on it. We need to continue to discuss it. Um, on a side note, if the idea that um, in Florida, uh, Ron DeSantis is being accused of banning books. He's not banning books. There, You can always get critical race theory books. They're not going to be banned. Uh, he's, he's, you know, look, I don't know enough about the issue. Jury's still out for me on Ron DeSantis. The last thing I want to do is support some sort of uh, um, uh, white nationalist type uh, Trump 2.0. Um, that's the last thing I want to do. Um, so jury's still out for me on that. I'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll re reevaluate that as the apparent presidential race heats up, you know, if DeSantis even ends up running, but he's not banning books. So let's stop saying that. That is just garbage, disingenuous, intellectually dishonest uh, crap. Oh, and quickly on the the second uh, thing I want to talk about, just real quickly, because I burned all the time on the NFL take, which I didn't want to do, but um, that's what happens when you are a complete amateur like myself. Um, the U.S. Uh, labor statistics uh, came out, um, and the unemployment rate is still very low. Uh, I've seen it speculated that that's because 
many have picked up gig jobs, and so that's not really a healthy economy if everyone has to work three separate jobs to make ends meet. I mean, I think that that's plausible. The other thing is um, quarter four looked like the economy um, did pretty well, and I heard Jim Rickards the other day point out that the last month was atrocious. So average, you, you quarter three months, the average looked pretty good, but the last month was atrocious. So trending in the wrong direction. Again, we'll keep an eye on that. I mean, that's a macroeconomic thing. You guys don't tune in to hear about that from me, but I continue to want to talk about it. And uh, that's it. Those are the headlines. We'll be right back. I can't tell you how versatile the Wise Card has been for my travels. From paying for my kids' school tuition in Ubud to wiring the tour company payment for our snorkeling trip, the Wise Card has been there for me. Let me explain how it works. From the States or anywhere, you purchase foreign currency and keep it in your WISE account. It becomes your de facto foreign bank account. You purchase at the current exchange rate. If you think the dollar is at its peak in value, purchase a foreign currency, pay a very minimal fee, and voila, you have your short dollar position. Congratulations, you're now a foreign currency trader, and you didn't have to open a bank account in Montenegro. And fellas, your wife wants to go to Italy. She's sick of the bowling alley as your idea of entertainment. Why not start by opening your WISE account today? If you use the link in the show notes, capitalize with at least $300 US, World Travel Dad gets a minuscule kickback that I promise to use on cheap beer. Take your wife to Italy. Let's get back to this thing I'm calling a show. If this is your first time listening to the show, thanks for joining us. We like to do something called do's and don'ts section, which is a mini travel guide for any city that I've visited. And when I feel like I have a good grasp on how things operate, I share it in a list of things that you should do, things that you should not do in that city. I like to give it at least a week and uh, spend a lot of time, uh, you know, overturning every, every rock, you know, dotting every I, seeing uh, what I can find out to pass along information if you're thinking of going to the places that I've been. And without further ado, uh, the do's and don'ts of Hoi An, Vietnam, which as I said, is a terrific city. So excited to share the city with you. Uh, As usual, things revolve quite a bit around food for me and my family. So the number one do is to try a banh mi sandwich. B-A-N-H-M-I, banh mi. Um, This is a mini baguette, warmed baguette sandwich with any number of fillings, some pork, beef. I was eating them for breakfast. You can find these stands throughout you're going to get a 50 cent sandwich. Usually, uh, it's 
like I said, it's warm, it's spicy. Um, you walk, what you do is you walk behind the, the little stand on the side of the road and the, it's usually a lady. I don't know why, but, uh, I dealt with, um, female banh mi chefs and you can point to what you want in there and they will suggest things. Uh, they hardly speak much English although it varies. The one bond me person I went to a lot spoke a little bit of English, and so we communicated quite well. And uh, I uh, I would get one of those for breakfast and have some Vietnamese coffee, and you just, you can't, you can't do better than that. That's such a wonderful breakfast. There's so much versatility with these bond me's. Um, I even was getting just the baguettes alone. I'd grab a couple of those for, for the kids. Uh, my son likes the the egg banh mi. So do I. But my daughter just sometimes likes some bread and fruit. And so that's a, a great option for uh, your breakfast. I know some of these locations, it's hard to get an American-style breakfast. But look, if you're going, if you want, you know, bacon, eggs, and all that stuff, don't you should don't even travel like stay, stay at home, stay in the States. But if you're, if you're out on the road, you're going to have to get creative on breakfast. So definitely try the banh mi. Um, okay. In Hoi An, the first don't is, uh, don't engage in a contract to purchase any of these knickknacks without knowing the price first. I fell into this trap so many times. I call it a trap because, I really think it's kind of a, a gentle ripoff. I don't. I don't want to accuse the people of Hoi An, the the wonderful people, and they were wonderful. But um, I don't want to accuse them of a, of an outright scam. But there's there's some tricky stuff going on there, and it's better to know the price before you buy something. Um, you might hear one word come out of their mouth. Um, sorry, one number. And then the change you get back might not reflect that. So the other thing you, you ought to do is do hand signals um, for to show what price you hear them say. Um, there is some give. You know, you can negotiate a little bit. But here's here's the uh, pro tip. You, uh, you hear them quote a price. You show them with your money what you think the price was. And that way nobody can misunderstand what what the price was because several times i heard them say something i did the hand signal we thought we had a price i got back about ten thousand less which by the way is not much um but um i fell victim to that one uh don't let it happen to you don't feel bad about just making absolutely sure that you know what the price of these things are and by the way if you if you fall victim to that trap, you're going to lose about 50 cents USD. So don't lose any sleep over it. Um, number three, uh, and this kind of ties in with number one uh, on the banh mi, but do stop to eat at the local noodle bars on the side of the road. The Hoi An um, is famous for um, a cow lao noodle, it's called, and it's a rice noodle, a lot of uh, rice stuff. If you have a slight gluten intolerance, you're going to love Hoi An. If you're celiac, I don't know if I'd trust a lot of the stuff, but 
um, even the rice based. But if you just have a slight intolerance, like my wife, you're going to be in heaven because you can eat all these rice noodles. Rice um, accounts for about 50% of the daily caloric intake of a Vietnamese person. They just, they do tons of rice and um, these local noodle bars, you should not be afraid of them. They have little tiny chairs and they're only locals eating there. You know, no, no white people, no Westerners, no, uh, no Germans, you know, speaking fluent English, nothing against Germans, but I'll, I'll sometimes go into these restaurants and there's Dutch, there's French, there's German, there's definitely Americans, Australian, British. And I look around, there's, you know, no, no Vietnamese people, you know, that, and I, I just feel like you occasionally you have to go eat somewhere where there are no Westerners. I mean, that's why you came to Vietnam. These local noodle bars, um, are terrific. They're relatively cheap. You can actually get food almost as cheap at some of the Western places, but, um, do yourself a favor at least once go eat, uh, where there are no Westerners, only locals side of the road, noodle bars. It's totally safe in Hoi An. I can't speak for some of the other cities that might not be quite as touristy as Hoi An, but, um, but this city you're safe is a very heavily touristed city. So, you know, they're not going to serve you, you know, a bowl of uh, bugs or something like that. Um, and then the number four, don't, uh, don't worry if the staff is a little bit awkward in terms of um, suggesting what you should try or kind of being a little forceful with their suggestions. I noticed that this was going on and it's not a, you know, it's not a Western style server um, uh, tactic. It's really something that I noticed in Hoi An and I think it's from a good place. I think the servers assume that you don't really know what you're doing. You need a little bit of guidance. Don't take it personally. I mean, I would order, you know, I'd order a, a milk coffee or a, or an egg or a salt coffee, which are famous local specialties. You know, I know the story of the of the guy in Hanoi that started the egg coffee in the 30s because of a milk shortage. I mean, I've done my homework, and I I know that I like my salt coffee and my egg coffees warm, but I had a server say, nah, you're going to get a cold because it's better to have cold. I think it's better. And rather than make an awkward scene, the young lady who was doing that, I just said, eh, give me the cold one. And guess what? I didn't like the cold one as much as the hot one. And I wanted the hot one. I want the one that you get in Hanoi, but that's okay. I didn't let it ruin my day. And you know, again, I think it's from a good place. I think that, um, the Vietnamese tourist infrastructure, they're still just not quite used to all the fascination with their country, especially in some of the smaller towns. And um, I think that translates into a little bit of a, of awkward uh, uh, service at times, but, but that's few and far between. So um, generally the service was terrific in, in Hoi An. Uh, Number five, um, do ride bikes. Riding uh, riding bikes in Hoi An uh, is, is a great idea. Um, there, You can ride to the beach. That's a good ride. It's about five kilometers each way. 
there are these bike paths um, in between the rice fields. Uh, riding bikes, a great idea here. Don't hesitate. It looked like a lot of the hotels and the homestays offered bikes, which is terrific. Um, you know, whether you want to try to get a helmet, that's up to you. I, I didn't use a helmet. It's not illegal to ride a bicycle without a helmet, but it, within city limits, you can't ride a scooter without a helmet. That's usually not enforced in small towns, but I think in Hoi An, you, you, you want a helmet if you're on a scooter, but if you're just riding a bike around, um, you know, I don't think helmets are entirely uh, necessary, but you might uh, disagree when you see the, the mess snarl of traffic that sometimes happens in, in these cities. So, um, oh, number six, don't, uh, don't go to places that advertise happy hour. That's just, that's a complete tourist ripoff. They figured out that uh, people from the West love a good happy hour, Americans especially. And, uh, yeah, I can talk about this because I'm, I'm the worst offender. I mean, you can, you put the, you put those two words and, uh, you got me, you put a big sign out that says happy hour. I don't even care. I don't care what you're serving. I don't care about the quality of food. I don't even need to know the details of the happy hour. It just, it puts me in a good mood. I'm going to go into your restaurant. You're going to rip me off and, and take me for all I'm worth. And, um, I learned, I stopped, go- I stopped doing it. Cause it just, it never worked out well. I was never happy. Don't do the happy hour thing. Just don't. It's very hard. It's very hard to walk by. Um, it's not going to make you happy. Um, number seven, go, go out and do your sightseeing in the morning. Um, Hoi An has a lot of buses that come in in the afternoon with tourists. Um, you do not want to be around. You need to just do the siesta, go take a nap, go to the pool hit all your sights in the morning. You're going to be alone. You're going to have the place all to yourself. It's terrific. It's one of these places that people come in with, uh, uh, you know, on these tour buses and they do the day trip thing. And, um, it's, you know, what Rick Steves talks about. You want to, these are the places you want to stay overnight because you get the mornings, um, you get the the cool mornings, you get the evenings where the place is all to your, you know, you get it to yourself. And I witnessed that firsthand. Um, the, the tour buses stick around till about 7 p.m. at night. And if you can take a stroll after that, you're going to love it. And if you're going to, if you can go walk around at 10 o'clock in the morning, you're going to love that too. Um, one of the, uh, oh, we'll get to, we'll get to, what you should see here in the final do. Um, oh, and if you do, this is a, a number eight. Don't don't ride a scooter without checking with your Nomad insurance. Um, if you're doing a longer trip like we are, you're going to have Nomad uh, travel insurance, and it excludes uh, injuries on scooters. I've seen two people crash on these things now, and I mean. I feel really bad. They, they, they didn't appear to be badly injured, so I can talk about this, but they just look terrible. Like, how do you, how do you crash a scooter? I mean, I rode scooters with my young kids all around Phuket and Kalanta, Thailand. And I mean, I never even came close. I never had any situation that concerned me at all. And yet I've seen two people take these spills um, but it happens. And so 
we stopped doing it because we realized our nomad insurance probably excludes injuries and you know eventually you'll find a way to uh get injured when you're in hoi an with your young kids you might not think of this destination as a museum destination but you definitely should buy the five pack of museum um, tickets they're sold in several kiosks throughout town the adult ticket is a hundred and twenty thousand which is around five dollars usd and then kids are free and this was just such a value bomb for our family um, there are there's a map and there are uh, probably 25 different stops that you can do and you can do five of them so you have five tickets unless you want to buy more tickets which that would be a good idea as well if you have um hardy travelers but we we really only had time for five of them and there are ancient family homes in the towns there's a lot of chinese and uh, Japanese history of merchants and, and trading houses. There's a museum of Eastern medicine. And there's a bunch of just different fun museums. There's also a free museum. Um, a French photographer had done this amazing project uh, where he traveled around northern Vietnam and, and met with all 54 known hill tribes in the northern Vietnam region and he also found several tribes that were not even known and cataloged in the general list and he met with them he uh, obtained some costumes some traditional dresses and it's just an amazing exhibit and this is such a value bomb because if you have young children they don't have to spend an hour at each stop I mean, 15 or 30 minutes in some of these places is good enough. They'll try to sell you some stuff, and we actually bought some tea and some old coins from the 1700s, some yin and yang coins. So just really fun. Um, I always like to learn, and just seeing the kids actually engaged in museum stops is really uh, mind-blowing at times. Um Finally, when you're crossing the street, and this goes for all of Vietnam, don't don't stop. Once you decide to go, like a deer, you know, you cross, and just don't stop. You're going to get hit that way. What happens is, if you're crossing the street, you're not. There aren't crosswalks. You're just going to have to like bite the bullet. It's a leap of faith. And once you get out there, um, the drivers go around you as you move forward. So they anticipate where you're going to be and they avoid by going to your rear. It's kind of like in Colorado, they tell you to, to go for a deer's back legs. It's because the deer is going to keep going. You're going to go for the back legs and you're going to miss them that way. I actually did that once. It really works. If you're going at a high rate of speed, you might not be able to do it. And of course, if you go for the back legs of the lead deer, you're going to hit the next one behind you and that's not going to go well, but that wouldn't have gone well anyway. But when you're crossing the street, don't stop. Just keep going. It somehow works and it makes the crazy traffic work. And uh, so that's it on the do's and don'ts of Hoi An. I definitely recommend this town for 
if you have young children. I wanted to wrap up today's podcast talking about um, uh, my my dad again. As you know, if you've listened for a while, he did pass away recently. And my brother, who's back in Colorado, went to go clean out some of his uh, stuff and his computer equipment, uh, Hunter Biden style. And he, uh, he found my dad's uh, book about Vietnam. He found it on, on an old computer. We knew that my dad was writing the book. We didn't know how far along he was. He never talked to us about it. Looks like he has finished the book. And uh, I have it um, on the Dropbox. I have all of his notes, his references. One thing about my dad is he, he was a terrific writer. He used to uh, work for the Denver Post as an investigative journalist. He was sued for libel dozens of times. And I always think that um, indicates a pretty good journalist how many times you've been sued. Because, A, that means the people that are suing you care about what about your reach you know, and, and your influence. And, uh, uh, B, it means you're... You know, you're hitting some nerves. You know, you're getting to the good stuff. You know, that's where a lot of you know, if you play it safe, you're never going to get sued, but you're never going to get the good story. So, anyway, my dad was a good writer, but I think his writing is not really for public consumption. It's not very commercialized writing, and I've decided I want to try to publish his book. Um, I want to try to self-publish it. But it needs a lot of work. There's, it's kind of like a naive kind of writing style at times that I don't know that the public would appreciate it. So I'm going to get in there and try to edit some of this stuff. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, there's a really good chance I will fail. There's over 600 pages, and I don't know what the final product's going to look like. But it's a terrific book. I'm sure it'll have some good stories. It looks like... My dad um, is trying to make sure that that the the war is not forgotten for several reasons. One, because of the soldiers that that died, the young American soldiers that died. Um, but also, he was my dad was deeply troubled by all the uh, non-combatant Vietnamese people that were killed by American stupidity, and it, he my dad was always frus- very frustrated by the fact that. Uh, it seemed like the U- the Americans wanted to sweep that under the rug. We didn't want to acknowledge that we committed war crimes because I mean, Americans can't commit war crimes, right? I mean, we're the good guys. And that was something that was very important to my dad. And we're going to have that legacy of his live on. You know, one thing, one thing that you... Um, one thing about my dad that I cherished was that he was seeking the truth however uncomfortable it may have been and that's how he went about his life it's why following getting back from the vietnam war he went to the national war archive in washington dc and he declassified thousands of pages of documents and that's going to be part of the the book as well that that story i think it is a a fairly interesting story. He was personally thanked by Mike Wallace in a CBS defamation case. And um, 
I am going to include a link in the show notes to just a short synopsis of the book. So just uh, if you want to check that out, um, I'd appreciate it. Just let me know what you think. You can always email me. Um, Again, there are over 600 pages. This book will not be published anytime soon, but I am going to get to work on it as as soon as I can. Um, So thanks so much for listening. And next week's show will be from... Uh, Phong Na, which is up in the northern mountains of Vietnam, and surely going to be a fascinating place. I can't wait to talk to you guys about it. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this show. I am constantly trying to improve through the process of iteration. Your time is valuable and I appreciate you spending it here. We are now available on Google, Apple, and Spotify. Wherever you are listening, please take a moment to leave a five-star review and hit subscribe. And I promise to do whatever I can to send you good vibes. Good vibes.